I'm Susie Landolfi, and welcome to Be Crazy Well. All right, I promise, I promise you, Logan, this will only be 10 or 15 minutes. I don't know if you know this, but teenagers do not want to talk longer than 10 or 15 minutes to anybody. Like, am I right? Like you can talk shit. He can talk shit to people like for three minutes and get so much in. And of course, I want to go on and on. Welcome everybody to Be Crazy Well. I'm his Gma. This is my grandson, Logan James Nobriga. And I asked him to be a um a guest on my show. And he messed me up because he said yes. I was not expecting it. So it's the reason I'm asking him is because he's gone through something and something happened because of lots of things happened because of it. And I want him to share his story because part of his story involves combat veterans and sort of what happened. So step right up here, young man, so that they can hear you. Um, Logan, Jay Glazer, the founder of MVP, spoke your name yesterday on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'm following with, I said, oh, Jay's on. So I'll just listen. And he goes, and then this young man, Logan Nobreaker, came to the huddle one day and blah, 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 blah. And he helped start MVP. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. So tell your story from your memory. And I'll keep asking yeah. little questions if you want, just to prompt, like what happened. So you're five years old. What happens to you? Uh, I was diagnosed with ALL leukemia, mm-hmm. and then um, pretty near the end of that four-year cycle, we met Jay, and that was kind of, I know the Fox like, broadcast guys were at the hospital that day, and then we got really close to Jay, and Jay ended up inviting me to one of the unbreakable huddle sessions, and I got to meet a lot of like the veterans, the women, the guys, and talk about my story and their stories together. And that was honestly a great experience, pretty fun, really interesting. That wasn't the time you danced with Gronk. No, that was, that was another time. Another time. Okay, so this is why I asked him to be here. So this eight-year-old shows up at this huddle of MVP with a bunch of combat veterans and retired professional athletes, and he tells his story of going through leukemia. At that time, it was only one time, right? Mm. It was the first time. Little did you know that you were going to have three months of reprieve and in remission and then it came back worse mm-hmm. so now you've got to go through it again yeah how did you do that i don't think you get a choice <laughs> i love that you don't have a choice yeah how you deal with it though you have a choice how'd yeah. you deal with it i think the second round just was a lot easier to like you know go see friends and I guess talk about it. it So friends were important. Always. Number one. Number one. Friends. All right. So if a family's watching this right now and parents are watching it and they have a child that's just been diagnosed with something, you're telling us right now from your experience, you're 18 now, you've been in remission for a Well, if you're that young, I mean, just when you're young like that, all you want to do is see your friends. So it's like, it's easy if you just bring your friends to the hospital or have them meet there whatever the case may be, make it a lot better. Yeah. Your mom and dad did something kind of unique that they thought they were going to get. Uh, I'll put me in sports. They put you in sports. Like yeah. you wanted to keep playing baseball. Yeah. Tell, do you remember one of the days going from the hospital to the baseball mm-hmm. field? What do you remember? Well, I had a lumbar puncture that day. I remember I got off surgery at like whatever one something. And I was still off the anesthesia. And then I just remember changing on the way to the game in the car right. out of L.A. I was super tired, but I was like, I don't want to go play baseball. Right. And you were bald. Yeah. Look at his hair now. (laughs) We didn't know what he was going to look like for years. We had no idea. Your head was as big as a watermelon. And we didn't know. 
And do you remember throwing up in the trash can? Mm, yeah, I do. Yeah, you threw up in the trash can. Yeah. And then you had a hard time walking. Do you remember your balance wasn't great? Not at all. <laughs> and he went out into the outfield, and my daughter and I are looking at each other. And he's kind of like walking like I walk now, because I'm old. And <laughs> we thought he was going to tumble over, but they put him in the outfield. That means he has to run. And do you remember yeah. someone hitting the ball to you? Yeah, it was fine. I think I was just locked in the moment. Yeah, we're good. and you ran and you got it and you made the person out. And you know what your mom and I did? I don't know if he ever told you this. Mm. We burst into tears yeah, and we started hugging. <laughs> because when you face someone you love that could die, I mean, that's a fact. You could have died. Mm. There was medicine you got that could have ruined your heart and all that kind of stuff. So we want you to know. So we're crying while you're out there like, <laughs> like this, running, getting the oh, ball. Yeah. Do you remember any other times in the hospital that we used humor that helped you? Because we were kind of the funny family, even though we were sad at times. We did I don't some. Know, funny you guys things. would like bring the goddamn spin bike in. Like that show was hilarious to watch. Fucking Jonah Hill offered to help mom because <laughs> she was like, she'd be carrying up like a Sherpa and like just a, a shitload of stuff. And she would just, I remember that was pretty funny seeing her come into the room. She brought your whole bed. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Just bringing the whole house with her was pretty funny. Um, What else? I'm sexy and I know it. Yeah, that's an OG video. I know. Well, I'm going to send you the video, guys, so you can watch that. It's pretty cute. Mini basketball hoop in the room was always amazing. Tell them what happened when you were alone shooting basketball, why you were hooked up to an IV in your heart. Tell them that story. That was a good one. I, uh... I had the saline tube running to my portacath right here. And it was like a metal. It's almost just like a metal piece that stays in you for like injections and like all the medicine that you need to receive. And I remember it has like this long, clear cord with it. I was shooting hoops and the ball landed right on the cord and just ripped it out. And so I had like this like small metal piece just like sticking out right here, just barely holding on, blood gushing down. Didn't feel painful, but like it was just I was that was an experience. Just blood all over the floor, like what'd you do? We weren't there at the time. Mom was downstairs or somewhere. Oh no, mom was pissing me off because she was laughing at me. (laughs) She was laughing in my face, and I was like, "Yo, like." So you gently went back into bed and had to call the nurse. Is that correct? Came in and was shit. I was like, "Oh, that's my bad." I don't know what happened. Yeah. So was the coach of the. Lake, not the Lakers. Was it the Clippers? The what? Clippers. And I was like, oh, yeah. No, it was the Lakers. And I was like, I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm a Clippers fan. He says that. This guy comes in. He's just, you know, going around. Yeah, fine. What was his name? He was the old Lakers GM. Literally the GM of the Lakers. Yeah. Because his daughter got diagnosed. I forgot what his name was. And so he walks in the room to say hi to all the kids. And and Logan, at first, we didn't know who he was. He was just someone tall because everybody's tall to me. And then he tells you who he is, and you go. No, he didn't tell me. That was the thing. That's why I was funny. If you like, asked if I like the Lakers, I was like, no, I like the Clippers. And then I talked to him for another two minutes, and he left. And it turns out he's the GM of the Lakers, (laughs) and his daughter was staying in the room, like two rooms over. I was like, holy! (laughs) You did that. That was funny. (laughs) So, how did you navigate after? Like you missed a lot, you know, men and women that go down range or even play a professional sport, they miss so much of their family yeah. life, right? 
And you did too. Yeah. You're in the hospital. There were times it seemed like you were in there 200 days out of the year. Yeah. We always slept in there. Well, how did you navigate and what did you notice that you missed when you got out and you didn't have to go in the hospital anymore? And what should parents do and not do? Um, I think parents should not try to instantly engage their kid back into the norms of life, I guess. Like, I still struggle with school, like, going every day. I was horrible. I think they should not. Um, I think when they get out, I think they need to realize, give them, like, a couple weeks, just, like, see where they're at. Because it's, like, honestly, like, you know, it's a completely different life again, even though it's normal for everyone else. It's, uh, it's a little hard to get back into the rhythm after you're out of it for so long. I think something that they could do is definitely recommend sports or something. Definitely get active because I just feel like that's the best way. You know, you're always happy when you're active or running around or something. Mm -hmm. As long as you're moving, I feel like that's pretty good. Um, How important were video games to you? When I you was could... just about to say, definitely let them play video games because that is where they're going to succeed most likely. But <laughs> also not too many, but like... When you could put the headsets on. Yeah, I was super... It's super, I don't know, it's comforting yeah. just being in like a room, you know, because that's where you were the whole time, like just sitting in a room, having people, you know, put different shit into you, different shots, all that. But like, I guess it's kind of similar to video games, just sitting in a chair, putting a headset on. Like, it's pretty, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of relaxing. How about when you could talk to another friend while you had headsets? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Fun. So you're sequestered in a, ho in a hospital room. But yet, eventually, you could get online and yeah. talk to friends that way as well, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. I remember trying to play them with you, except I hate being chased. Yeah. It's not a good feel for me. <laughs> so all I did was sit on the other side, and instead of trying to get them off the games, I'd say, okay, I'm just going to watch the left side of the screen, and I'll tell you when somebody's coming. Do you yeah, remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I helped you play them, there you go. right, instead of taking him off. Yeah sort of figuring out what you were figuring out. Right? Exactly. How about making a big deal about the fact that you had cancer? When you first got out, I remember you not uh, not wanting us to tell a lot of people that you wanted to get as close to normal as possible. Yeah, the normal aspect, I guess, was different because, like, I don't know, everything's kind of done for you and, like, it's uh, not normal, but to you it is. When you're back in, like, normal life, and just society, you kind of want to just fit in easily, but it's not like that simple because obviously you're missing hair still, you're, you know, all the meds you take and like, it's just harder. So I would definitely say, you know, go out with your family a lot, definitely your friends. It's always going to be friends. That was the easiest thing for me because they make you feel like a lot better. I mean, it's a lot easier to be around your friends, especially when it's like, you know, you can also have a good time. Um, so your mom and dad don't live together and actually didn't or even even when you were really little, when you're first born, they decided not to be, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. They were going to be just co-parents. And they did that. How important is it for parents not to argue and to be a good team when a child is going through something? As long like as that? it's not in front of you, I'm sure it's fine. Like, so they can argue as long yeah, as it's not in front of you. Because, like, I don't know, you want the most support around you or what seems like support mm -hmm. definitely will help. Um, you know, they're gonna shit's gonna happen in there. Mm -hmm. So, as long as you have someone you know who you're like, you can bank on both of your parents, and you that's a good enough support, honestly, to last you for a while. 
for me, it was a little different because I wanted to see my friends more because it was still elementary school. But. He still loves seeing his friends. There's always somebody here. Yeah. I want to tell you a story that I haven't told you in a long time. Um, you're sitting on the couch in the apartment in Santa Monica at the time. You've got the port now. You're just starting to get chemo. I don't even know how many weeks it was since you were diagnosed. And your mom's on the phone with the doctor because you're beside yourself in discomfort, like you're mm-hmm. sad and you're hurting and you just can't. Uh, and you're just and and not even screaming. He's just weeping like and he says these words to me and I'm sitting there with him and he says, Jim, I can't take this anymore. Now, when you hear a six year old say that it's devastating, like you're saying words that somebody might say that wants to die, right? Because it's so uncomfortable. And this is what I said to him. And this is what he says back. I start holding back my tears as best I can. And I said, Logan, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Uh, This is terrible. If I could go through it, I would take that. I remember saying that taking that used to call leukemic. I go take that leukemic out of you and put it in my body. I would like give, take off any part of my body. And he says, what part? He stops crying. And you literally think about that for a second. You stop crying. You go, what part? And I go, uh, my arm goes, what else? (laughs) And I said, my legs, I'll take anything off of me in order to get that out of your body and not to do that. So I do have to say that there's a part of our family that has a very good sense of humor. humor. Yeah, Yeah, we really do. Not to minimize it because we had our, our shares of tears. You know, we had our fear and we also tried to bring some joy um, as well. How has it made you different? What are the good things that you've acquired from having to battle that at such a young age? Um, I mean, at 15, I guess I could process my emotions way better than even most adults. I think that's like the hardest part was just dealing with it after just like how your emotions are just like kind of flow everywhere and it's not really like controlled. But a couple of years after, probably two years after I realized I was really good at controlling my emotions, talking to grownups was a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Definitely like, you know, how to have a full on conversation. Um, I just felt like it excelled my, you know, maturing to like a different degree. Like you don't feel like a kid. And even at like 15 years old, I felt like I could easily have conversations with people twice, three times my age. Like I found you to be very competent. Yeah. Like even though a lot of stuff was done for you, you figured out how to be alone. You figured yeah. out how to do things. You are physically very strong. Yeah. Um, you have a high tolerance for pain. Uh, I mean, you don't, nothing really. I mean, I guess like the shots you'd have to go through some of the most painful things you can take, like huge needles. So like physical pain was definitely lower. Like you don't never scared by the doctor visits again. Um, also, I guess just in, um, I guess when you have to deal with shit at like a younger age, like even 18, I guess it's pretty hard. You know, most kids like don't really know what they want to do and they're all like kind of confused, but I guess I got all that confusion like out of the way when I was little because I was just sitting there with my thoughts for so long. Like, what do I do? What am I going to do? That they kind of just not went away, but like I'm not as worried about like life in general because I've already lived on the edge. So, like, people who like I just are scared of everyday shit, you know, fear that like something could go wrong, some shit can always go wrong. So, it's like, you know, you just live day to day, one step at a time. You don't really have to, you're not really as scared as life 
you know, the love life of what it could do to you or like how it could come at you. You're not really as scared of that because, you know, you can handle the situation in the moment. It'll be okay. I'm so lucky. <laughs> I'm so blessed. Um, I want to tell you that you don't know this, but you taught your mother and I and your dad stuff. Like we had to, at times, had you be the leader and for you to teach us mm -hmm. because we weren't going through it the same way he was. We were going through our own experience. So I want you to know that one of the things that you did for me, Logan, was stop me from being a know-it-all all the time, trying to control, listening to you, trusting your opinion, trusting your thoughts. And they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to work out all the time because mine don't either. But that's what you did for me. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that. And I, I invite everybody to take a look at their kids in a very different way um, and learn from them. Let them be the teachers sometimes. Yeah. Definitely listen to them. Definitely hear their opinion, hear what they're thinking about. I mean, 99% of the time you ask them how they're feeling and they say, oh, I'm good or something like that. 99% of the time. But like you may catch them on the off chance where they'll, they'll tell you how they feel or what they're thinking about. And, you know, just do your best to accommodate to it. See what they need, see what they mean. Anything else you want to say before we end? Um, you can think back that's important to dude just there's no just fuck it <laughs> oh he also swears but i'm good with that he doesn't say it in anger so i'm good with that because <laughs> he does live in our family and you know we are from boston and we say that word more times yeah in a sentence than anybody else can <laughs> just live <Don't> yeah. <laughs> i'm so proud of you i'm so happy for you you've beat it and you're off onto your life yeah and uh i can't wait till i'm in a wheelchair and you have to push me around and oh, <laughs> take care of me oh, no, I, love no, no. I love you i love you by the way he's the only one in the family that every time he gets off the phone and every time you leave the house without fail says i love you yeah every single time dude love you Oh, I said it first. See that? I said it first. All right, everybody. Be crazy well. Bless you, Reagan. Well. Peace, love. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Oh, there's my crazy dog. All right, everybody. Welcome to Be Crazy Well. That was my grandson, Logan James Nobrika. Um, and we're going to do more of that story of what it's like. Um, we went through it twice, eight years. Um, my dog's now barking at him. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know what to say other than I'm so grateful for this platform. Thank you coming home well. Um, how important that is that he came home from the hospital well. Uh, that's what we wanted. So I'm just letting you know that it's very, very important to us. Hang on, I got to let that dog in because he's just got to keep barking. Um, and uh, listen to the uh, theme song, Be Your Best Self, because that's what we believe here. Always be your best self. All right, peace out. Mm -hmm.